Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today we have a special treat two guests on one show. We're here with Ruth Buchanan and Che Barnett, both of Manatee County in Florida. Ruth is the Economic Development Manager, and Che is the Redevelopment Coordinator. Ruth and Che, welcome to the show. Very nice to have you here both. Um, Ruth, you and I were just talking about before the show uh, about the IEDC conference. You were in attendance. Uh, Why don't you tell us uh, about the event and why don't you tell us about your adventure getting there? Yes, absolutely. So uh, IEDC annual conference, they really did a wonderful job. Thank you to the organizing committee. Thank you for team at Tennessee and Nashville. We had a wonderful time. The classes were excellent. The tracks were great. I picked up a lot of good information. I have my own personal favorites. You know, then it's Music City, right? So I took advantage of uh, one of the tours, which is about Music City and Music Row. And boy, was that it, it really honed in on the history of Nashville and then the development of the music industry. And then we had a fabulous uh, guide as well for that bus tour. So anyway, I can talk on and on about that, but it was a great conference. And then as far as adventure, uh, I was telling them before the show started, uh, I was able to convince Jay that we're going to go drive from Bradenton, Florida to Nashville, Tennessee in a county car. Uh, and we did, folks. We did. It wasn't bad. You know, it was just about 14 hours of drive, 13, 14 hours of drive time. We got to check out a little bit of the country and get to drive around the beautiful hills between Georgia and Tennessee and then a red and great trip. So it was, it was a fun adventure. Thanks, Dave. Excellent. And uh, Che was saying that, uh, Ruth, you you must drive faster than she does because it was a little it was a little longer on the way back. Excellent. Um, Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the music, what you learned uh, in Nashville. Uh, Music as a driver of economic development. um, You know, that's a I think I think we generally understand that idea. But um, tell us more about what you what what you learned about that. Um, It's. It is a very important driver for Nashville and for the state. And what I really enjoyed learning is the development of it and the history of it, because I also like another uh, musical city, which is New Orleans. And so the two were tied together, and our guide did a fabulous job explaining the history and how it's tied to the river system. In, in America, in the old uh, pioneering days of, of America and how music traveled really with trade. And that's how it came. And then you, you infuse different elements of, you know, the different sectors in the groups of people along the route. And uh, I can't explain it very well, but it, it's country music. It's really just, it's a combination. It's a result combination over history of these different components. You've got the, uh, you know, the New Orleans influence on it, some of the African drums infused in there. And here's the thing, maybe the best one that our people will connect. He said, 
uh, country music had to reinvent themselves when Elvis took over the world. Can you believe that thing? It was like Elvis took over and then he just became king of this Studio A and Studio B of RCA Studios in Nashville. And so the people were scratching their head, the one in, uh, you know, in, the, in the country music and said, we got to up our game. And they did. They upped their game. So they became nimble and they adapted and, and, and resurgence of uh, country music. So awesome. Oh, that's phenomenal. They adapted and, and, and changed. That's economic development uh, in a nutshell, isn't it? I know. I know. So let's, um, let's bring it back. Let's talk about Manatee County. It's in Florida. Uh, I know it's on the, you're on the West Coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manatee County? Sure. Happy to, Dane. Thank you so much. So Manatee County is on the southern edge of the Tampa Bay region. So we're part really of that greater um, energy right there around uh, Tampa, Pinellas, and Hillsborough County. So we're just across the bridge, the big bridge that people associate with Tampa Bay. But that as you cross that bridge going south, that's Manatee County. So we are um, about a half a million people in Manatee County, and we do have younger folks here. So we are the workforce provider in a general sense for the area. And, um, and we do have provide housing as well. So we're the workforce provider and also a, a good bit of the housing. Our people are skilled. And then we have uh, an airport, which is very important for economic developers. We have the Sarasota uh, Bradenton International Airport. That is their their uh, airport executive will tell you the fastest growing or most most recognized small airport, I think, in the world, if not the U.S. I mean, it's just growing phenomenally. So that's the SRQ. And then a lot of people don't know this thing, but we have uh, a deep water seaport in, in Manatee. It's called Port Manatee. And it's um, it's the closest deep water port from Panama Canal. And so they've leveraged that distance or the short distance and really expanded the port, their capability. And in fact, a lot of people should know this, that a, a good part, probably like about 30 to 40 percent of gasoline in the state of Florida and a lot of construction uh, equi- um, uh, materials here in the boom times during uh, pandemic years actually came through. Uh, Port Manatee. And those of you having shortage with metal, aluminum, and all of those, you may want to be friends with Port Manatee. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you're the one we, we need to talk to. So are, it, is Port Manatee, is it having problems like we're hearing at other ports across the country and around the world? No, no. So it's a, you you all need to, I'll connect you, come talk to me, I'll connect you with our port. They have capability, their worth just expanded, the worth number four, as they call it, it's expanded. They still have capabilities. It should be tapped at this point. No, oh, that's phenomenal. And I, I hadn't realized that, but that makes sense that you would be the closest deep water port to uh, the Panama Canal. I had to think about where you were located, but yeah, you're right. That's absolutely the case. And do you see that growing? I mean, has it, has it been expanding lately or is this a recent development or has this sort of been ongoing and, and where do you see it headed? Um, when I joined the region or, or got to meet them about 10 years ago, Dane, uh, it was an up and coming port, uh, but they needed to expand uh, their infrastructure and, you know, their real estate, which they have done. You know, uh, they hired Carlos Bucaras from uh, port, uh, the southern port in, in Miami. And he immediately went to work and, like I said, expanded. They got this big boom of a crane uh, a few years ago, and they have real estate. And, uh, Jay, do you know how many 
acres. I mean, they have room. They have room to go and they will expand some more day. So uh, no, it's a bright spot, many bright spots in Manatee, but that's just one of the things I want to mention. Excellent. Che, so you're the redevelopment coordinator. What does that entail? Actually, I'm one of three redevelopment coordinators in our division. And I focus primarily on tension and expansion of our existing, our established businesses, our smaller businesses on our urban core. So where its roof is involved in attraction of new companies and new job creation, I'm working companies that are already established. And I think it's um, uh, a bit unique for a uh, economic development focus to be on small businesses and to um, work just as hard for them to thrive and prosper in the community, just as hard as we work for our larger corporation. Sure. And I'd imagine that last year, 2020, was an incredibly busy time for you, as it was very difficult on many of our small businesses. And, you know, it still is, continues to be the difficult situation for them. I heard something the other day that something like 60% of all small businesses in the United States are, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy uh, post-COVID. How did that play out for you? What was your role in all of that last year? I, I think the um, stats were pretty similar in Manatee College. One of the things that we found was that most businesses had about two weeks of cash flow um, to survive on. Ruth can actually speak to our response to um, that economic downturn that resulted from COVID. And then I'll speak on the role that I played. I actually did not participate in that response. Uh, oddly enough, our day-to-day economic development work did not slow down. Uh, I think developers took a one-week breather and decided that they were going to push their projects Forward. So I focused on that day-to-day getting projects um, scoped, prepared for uh, their plan submittal and their actual permitting. Our entire building and development services department was able to essentially work remotely. So that entire aspect of our business did not slow down. But Ruth can speak more to Oh, yes. So economic response. So then uh, what happened was, thank you, Che. Yes, 2020 was a hard year for all of us economic developers. We focused our support to our small businesses through the, uh, the administration and distribution of the CARES Act funds that we got. So the allocation to economic development, 100% of it, we put it in what we call the small business. Well, it's the safety for small business grant. So if you're a small business, you're in Mandy County, you were in operation just before the official date of the pandemic. And if you can show that you had some business losses, boy, that was a real doozy trying to find that. But we were able to define that. So if you had losses and you're still in operation, you have to be in operation. You cannot have just, a, you know, left. 
And uh, we were able to uh, put a, a quick program, simple program. We had to learn how to do grants administration. We bought a software that we could use to help us with the administration. Here's the good story. I mean, it was a painful year. We're helping everybody. You're on the phone. People were crying and asking for help. But when we walked through that, we were able to surmount the difficulties. Then. Here's some good numbers. So uh, $20 million of our CARES Act funding out of our $70 million. So $20 million of CARES Act funding went to about uh, about 3,000 of our small businesses. Mind you, 13,000 businesses in Manatee County out of that 3,000 got it because they were able to work through the application and the eligibility. And uh, we were able to uh, put a dollar amount cap of $50,000 for small business. And the average, if you take the number of people, about a $20 million fund that was dispersed to the community, it's about the $10,000 average that each business got. I tell you, this is the best compliment. We have a large business that thanked us for taking care of the small guys. It can't get any better than that. You've got a big business thanking us for not forgetting the small guys. They can give the small businesses. So, yeah, we were very busy. And as Chase said, I said, Chase. You're going to do the regular work. The rest of us are going to switch into CARES app. And that's how we survived it, Dave. That is excellent. And you're right. There is no greater compliment that a large business could tell you that they are happy that you helped, you know, save the small businesses because they're such an important part of our economy. You know, we, we really all need them. And, and it, 2020 was a good year for, in many ways in that we pulled together the ways that we assisted our neighbors, the ways that we helped. Um, and this sounds like excellent. And and it sounds like Che was busy doing the regular stuff. So that's excellent. I'm glad to hear that everything is, you know, going well. Che, let's talk about Manatee County's Inclusive Manatee Initiative. What is that? Inclusive Manatee is actually the county's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative that looks at how we can create an environment everyone that chooses to can thrive in our economy. And this is focused on our residents and lower income communities, our nonprofits and service providers, as well as our business community, our business community, corporations and employees. We wanted to understand why some communities thrive and others don't. And it's interesting, we actually have within Manatee County a very history in this work. Um, Our department was actually first in our neighborhood services department, which focuses on community development, and a lot of the human services that residents rely on, aging services, health services. We had neighborhood planning and many other entities, affordable housing, placemaking, and of course, our economic development. As far back as, gosh, I think thinking back to about 2010, our county participated in a survey that was conducted by the International City County Management Association. And it was a survey 
It was a nationwide survey sponsored by CAD or coordinated federal agents. From that national survey, 300 communities were identified uh, to participate in a deeper survey that looked at social equity. From that 300, it was narrowed down and Manatee County was identified as one of 11 communities in the nation that was very advanced in the social equity. And at 2010, being recognized for that spoke to maybe 10 or 15 years of work that had occurred prior to that. So we always had a foundation in trying to provide social equity and equal opportunity for all of our residents. Kind of fast forwarding to about five years ago, one of our uh, former county commissioners actually kind of challenged our administration, Tiger County, to look at the makeup of our county staff and was it reflective of our broader community, both racially, higher. Um, people with disabilities? Do we have a relationship with returning citizens? It was kind of a broad question, but we began to look at ourselves. And at that point, I believe that was our first attempt to look at our work through the framework of race. That's where I can really benchmark um, diversity, equity, and inclusion being uh, a focus point for the county in terms of more the more contemporary definition of that. And then fast forward of a bit more comes to our Inclusive Manatee Initiative, where uh, it was determined that we needed to really focus on this work and create a framework for uh, inclusion both inside of the county and our community. So we launched a, a pretty much a collective impact initiative working with residents, again, our nonprofits and into institutions and our business community to attempt to um, create a framework for this work. And how's it, you know, been going? Is it going really well? Is it, is it building on the successes that you had previously? Um, yes, all of the above. We uh, started the initiative by first looking at ourselves, a lot of data collection, trying to understand which are prospering and which ones weren't. We identified one neighborhood in particular Samoset, Florida, that we thought would be a good place to focus on, good neighborhood to focus on. Uh, one, it was a relationship that we had a long stand. Uh, excuse me, it's a community that we had a long standing relationship with, mm-hmm. and had a sense of some of um, 
their desires, where they wanted their community to grow, how it could grow. And we also had um, good data on that community. And the data showed us that the unemployment in that community was almost triple that of what it was for our county overall, and household incomes very, very low. So, and wanting to um, help improve that community, some of the low hanging fruit or the earliest opportunities were how do we increase household funds? How do we decrease unemployment? So we've created a prototype in the Samoset community that focuses on connecting residents to good jobs. Many of those um, employers that we connect with are ones that we have a relationship with through our economic development. But we also understood that had to address barriers to it. And that's where our nonprofits and institutions of higher law come at. They help us to address issues such as daycare, health-related issues for children, training, skills. And we also learned when collecting our data point, this community is fairly small, maybe about 5,100 residents. We understood that connecting third residents to employment could actually, that paid a good wage could actually decrease unemployment in the community by one and a half percent. And that's pre-COVID, but it allowed us to set a benchmark and a goal. We currently have 26 in our first cohort of 13. 13 have found employment. We continue to work with everyone in the cohort as it grows with wraparound services and the support that uh, one needs because we know that once someone becomes employed, that's not the end of the journey. Uh, There are other issues to help them, financial stability. And we also um, don't only focus on employment. Our division, our department, Redevelopment and Economic Opportunity, in addition to our Economic Development Division, is also the home to our Community Development Division, which focuses on affordable housing, skills enhancement and some other really people-related work. So when an individual joins a cohort, they not only can set their employment goals and their financial goals, but they can also um, look at home ownership, entrepreneurship, and other goals that we can assist them. It's all self-led. And with good support. And another thing that I'd like to point out when looking at COVID, how that put us all in really the digital space, we've now found ways that we can connect people, not only, um, well, we can assist people along their journey and provide 
online assistance, online resources that uh, really kind of take the burden off of a lot of the case management because the goal of this eventually is that this initiative is open countywide, right? And we certainly wouldn't be able to individually case manage uh, that potential number of people, but we do have the ability where individuals can self-lead themselves thanks to technology. That's excellent. You're right. Moving to digital first has really changed the delivery of services and it's made it possible for us to assist people at any any time of the day, just like, you know, you go shopping on Amazon at two o'clock in the morning because you can't sleep, but you want access to these services. And if we can provide them, that's great. If I yes. can just add, Absolutely. please, Che hit a lot of major highlights on this incredible program. We are very proud of this program that Manatee County started even before I joined them. I joined them only like about a year and a half ago with GSB with the department longer than I have. But there were three things I want to uh, just kind of highlight at this point. Those of you looking to do your own DEI, the three things we'd like to share from our experience, as Chase said, this is over many number of years, right? Is number one is know your community. You know, really take the time to understand your community. Who are, what sectors and what are, what are the needs? So it has to be relevant. So know your community has to be relevant. And as you heard, Che, I love when she talks about those uh, tweaking of the numbers. It's data-driven. We know our data. We've sliced and diced it. We understand all the different socioeconomic metrics. And so based on that, then you can have a real meaningful strategy of how you're going to do your program. So database, relevant to your community. And last but not the least, this is as important as Jay said, we have partners, Dean. We understand we can't do this ourselves. We need partnerships. So we've got the not-for-profits, we've got the other community partners, we get the education partners. And just to show it, as Jay was talking about the other barriers to keeping employment, uh, what is that? The transportation is number one right now and also childcare. So what do we do is we partner with, par- you know, we have partners that help us with that. So again, data, partners, and relevancy. Thank you. Excellent advice. Excellent. I think that, uh, um, yeah, there's a, you're, these are the same problems that every community is having and, and hearing what you've done and how you've been successful, um, you know, is not just inspiring, but it, I think it's very helpful. And it illustrates um, the challenges, like you said, relevancy that, you know, that's so important. You can see that somebody might, you know, um, hear about a program or see a program in place and want to implement it in their own community. Or maybe uh, the county supervisor comes back and says, hey, I saw this idea and it's working somewhere else. and, And then we want you to roll it out and you roll it out and, you know, it's not applicable. And it, because it's all about relevancy, it's all about, uh, you know, knowing who your people are and what they actually need. So that's excellent. Um, how is this uh, in, uh, uh, inclusive manatee program, how has it affected, um, you know, is, does it affect any other part of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Ruth, does it, you know, does it play into oh, yeah. your uh, recruiting and your attraction work? Does it, you know, how, do, how does that? Yes, yes, Absolutely. 
uh, it plays into so many different components of what we do. As, as your listeners understand, economic development is so broad, right? You could be in so many different facets of your community and you really take the priority items and, and work on those. But inclusive manity, well, number one, it, uh, it gives us marketing opportunity, like we're doing that, right? Right, exactly. But, uh, but on, the, on the economic development side, so we've taken the program that they took years to, to put together, and we've merged it, combined it with our traditional economic development incentives program. So it's a beautiful thing because what we do is when we, when we recruit, for example, our manufacturing is a, it's a big uh, growing industry in Medicare. So when we rec uh, recruit a manufacturing company, we give them the per job incentive because we have our own pot of money. We have the state pot, but we also have a pot of money. So we say, listen, if you commit to hiring these inclusive graduates, because it's a cohort, it goes into the, mm -hmm. the job training and all that. If you hire uh, our inclusive graduates as part of the economic development incentive. Not only are you going to get this incentive and that incentive, but then we're also going to give you, this is the local one. We, we have what we call the uh, local jobs. If the, the employee resides in that area that Che described, then they get another layer of fun. And if it's a graduate inclusive benefit, then they get another layer of fun. So then it makes you really competitive with the other um, communities that you can put In fact, um, without naming names, we had a program uh, at EDI where we were competing with us at the state level just because we don't have the comparative uh, state incentive at that point, even at this point. So Manatee County was competing with other states. So but by putting in these additional incentives, we were able to recruit that company day. And here's the other good thing. You talk about all the positive benefits from this. When our companies, when the private sector, let me correct myself, when the private sector hear that you have a DEI program that is already well put together and makes sense, and it's tied into their activities already, all they have to say is, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And you know what they say, D? They, make, they say, that makes sense, Ruth. I want it. Absolutely. Why not? Right? right. Right. Because that's that's what their that's what their shareholders and their and their boards of directors and their customers are asking for. And if everything's going, then absolutely we have to provide it. And absolutely it's a benefit and absolutely they're gonna jump all over it. And that's excellent tying it directly to those incentives. That is that's an excellent idea. Um let's you know what, let's change gears. Let's talk about your favorite books. Let's talk about um both of you. Che, let's let you go first. I asked you for a book that uh, you had enjoyed reading recently. What was it? Well, um, I actually have two. Okay. One is The uh, Color of Law. It looks at, and this is more related to my inclusive manatee, but it looks at the role of government and uh, segregation redlining and other policies that have created separation in our communities and contributed to the wealth gap, the um, lack of um, financial gain in many instances. And this often and primarily affected people of color. That work is important to me in government kind of understanding the history, where my work fits into that and how I can 
advance the progress that has been over the past few decades. So that's one that's resonating with me currently. A second one is Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping, and that's a revisit from, oh gosh, maybe 20 years ago, but it's a book that's circulating through our county administration. And it was interesting to look, to read that again and see how I've um, evolved from, at the time the book was published, definitely a connector. But now, at this stage, more of a maven, more of a resource, more of um, someone that provides guidance. I still connect, but um, I guess I've become more a different type of resource. So those are two that uh, I'm enjoying. Yeah, those both sound excellent. I've I've read The Tipping Point. The Color of Law, that, that sounds interesting. I haven't heard of that. I should check that out. So thank you for recommending that. Uh, Ruth, what's, what was your book? You know, uh, I, uh, I don't read a whole lot of books these days. I read more shorter articles and stuff like that. But um, I will mention uh, a couple of books, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. the, one, the, the one that I keep going back to, uh, it's a slightly older book, um, is Howard Schultz. Uh, he's the former CEO founder of um, Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I got hold of his book but i started reading that it's the, the one called onward this is the one that i'm in and i have an mba degree thing so i my brain gravitates towards those kinds of uh of thinkers and i'm, I'm reading it and i'm just enjoying the the journey of the young company as he founded it and how it went through uh, a big growth period, and then it kind of sputtered, and how yet to come back, and then kind of redo the whole company again, and face all sorts of hurdles. And I, I really enjoy the management uh, lessons that he's sharing in there, and then his his thoughts as he's going through the iterations of meetings with his board members and his new executives. So a lot of lessons there. But I'm also a fan of uh, I'm showing my age a little bit. I'm also a fan of Peter Drucker. And mm-hmm. Michael Porter, those were my those are my standard books from when I was in in, in grad school. But I want to give a plug because I I plan on reading this one. I got this from the uh, the Connor. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love her ED talks on the final day of the conference, and I I got a book. I plan on reading it, but I she will tell you, I am a big proponent, big advocate for manufacturing. I went to, uh, my grad school was actually in Japan. I went to uh, the International University of Japan during the height of their manufacturing prowess at the time. Mm -hmm. So I know, I saw firsthand, I experienced how uh, an excellent manufacturing base and just the the core competency of a nation could really spell the difference. So here in Manti County, as I told you, manufacturing is one of the... um, one of our target sectors and growth sectors. So I hope uh, to learn more lessons from Ilana. This, this talks about small, um, small-scale small manufacturing. Because you know what? 
What do we learn about COVID? We're all talking about, you just mentioned it, the port, uh, you know, all of these goods are shipping in big ships out there. Why do they have to be made outside of the United States? I'm an immigrant, by the way, but I'm, I'm an American and I'm like, I'm here, it's my community. Why can't we start remanufacturing stuff in this country? So let's start with small, right? I mean, it's good that the big companies are here too, the Fortune 500. But I think there's something to be said for this country to start looking at manufacturing here again. We have the goods, we have the technology, we have the people. It's a high value adding uh, sector. It's actually the highest multiplier. If you study RIMS and economics, right. it's the highest uh, uh, multiplier, right? Then? So that small scale manufacturing. Right, exactly. Not only everything you just said is true, but... Right now, we're having these shortages. You can't get a new car. There's all kinds of things that are we're waiting for to come off of ships and be unloaded and transported. And one of the problems is that everybody was using that, that Japanese just-in-time method of inventory management, and then it got all disrupted during COVID. And so then they had to sort of figure out how to start back up. And one of the challenges is most of the things that we're having shortages of aren't manufactured by thousands of suppliers, by tiny thousands of tiny little suppliers. They're manufactured by a couple or a handful of very large companies that have large you know, production lines. If all of the raw ingredients or, or the level of manufacturing was spread out enough, you know, there, were a, there was a little bit in Manatee County, there was a little bit over here in Texas, there was a little bit somewhere else you know, it would be fine. We'd be able to, you know, get back up and running. And one of the problems is it's so centralized now. So yes, I think that small-scale manufacturing is absolutely uh, going to be a big part of the future going forward. I think what you both are up to there in Manatee County is a great model for economic developers all over the country. I think you have some, you know, powerful lessons. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to come on this conversation and hear that it was A, that you were a manufacturing, you know, center. That's important. But also that you'd had this long history of this inclusive, you know, sort of idea building and growing and changing. I did read in um, on Wikipedia, I was reading about uh, Brad, uh, Bradenton. Is that the name of the town? Bradenton? Yes. yes. I, I, it's, it's confusing for me. My middle name is Braden. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. But um, um, I was reading the Wikipedia article and it was talking about the mayor of Bradenton from the 50s. And he was really progressive and was doing a bunch of it. That sounded interesting. And I'm glad to hear that that's continuing and, and developing and growing. And I, I think, you know, we have these huge populations of the underserved, the, the lack of participation in the greater economy and the, and the greater benefits of the economy. And, and, you know, we all need to work together to even this playing field and, and make it possible for them to get to work because the truth is we need them. We need them in our manufacturing plants and our small-scale manufacturing and our large-scale manufacturing. We need them to make those products so that we can bring all of those supply chains back to the United States. So, I, you know, it's excellent okay. what you two are up to. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so I, I I bought a new car in in the first quarter of this year, Dane. Uh -huh. And uh, as it happened, um, I actually timed that purchase very well because right after that was th that started the shortage of both brand new cars and used cars. Right. So not only did I get a brand new car, and when I traded in my older car, I got a very good value. For it, I did. Unbeknownst to me, it was already starting. You know mm -hmm. that the shortage in used cars. But just to belabor the point a little bit, 
this shortage in cars, at least the first part of it, is because this one chip that is in short supply, one chip mm -hmm. in the whole, what, thousands of parts in a car, one part was in short supply because, as you said, it's manufactured by only a few uh, suppliers in the world. And imagine, as you, to your point, if we had like a, a half a dozen manufacturers in the U.S. that actually kind of make something similar or part mm -hmm. portions of those, how we could rebound. But uh, anyway, I'm belaboring the point. Yes, manufacturing is the way to go. And we have some, um, some, in, some you know, uh, goods or competitive advantages here where we are located that we can turn it around and make uh, make lemonade out of it. And by the way, uh, aerospace uh, is one of our target sectors and the growing sector because, uh, as I mentioned, we have the airport and also uh, because it's just the way it developed. We're part of the bigger region. And that's what we have at the moment. And our workforce. I mean, Chad, I don't know if you want to add something to this, but uh, I want to let you have a say too. Well, I think um, you've touched upon the major point. In terms of our workforce, it is sizable. Uh, we have a really wonderful, I would say, educational pipeline into our manufacturing sector. Um, we are creating one in aviation and our other sectors, technology, uh, logistics, distribution, we're beginning to build those uh, maybe a, a bit fuller, really looking at our pathways, our educational pathways into um, work world or pathways into college. And just today, we had a pretty detailed discussion on upskill, how to um, advance the skills of individuals that lost employment during 2020 or those that are uh, Engaged in workforce, but they're the working poor. How can we up provide upskill opportunities for them to uh, join the workforce in a greater capacity? So um, we're well on our way to improve that. And Dane, just to add to it, uh, because we do want to recognize our education partners, as Jamie said, we have quite a bit. We have the University of South Florida here. We've got uh, the State College of Florida. We've got a wonderful uh, creative arts school called, called the Ringling College of Arts and Design. They graduate all these brilliant kids that just go around the world and start creating things. And then we also have one of the um, liberal arts colleges in the U.S. right here. Uh, it's called the New College of Florida. So we are blessed in that way. Yep, we've got all this pipeline of good, talented folks. Well, excellent. Uh, Ruth and Che, it has been excellent having you on the show today. I hope that our listeners got as much out of it as I did. If they would like to reach out to either of you, what's the best way that they could get into contact with you? I can reach uh, okay. Che Barnett. My email address is che.barnett, E-A-R-N-E-T-T. -T at mybanity.org. And of course, you can find uh, LinkedIn. 
And and then I apologize. I, I we work right here in downtown Bradenton, and somebody was already having a party downstairs. I was my computer. <laughs> my email address, ladies and gentlemen, is my name, Saruth R U T H dot B U C H A N A N at mymanatee.org. Jay, it it has been my pleasure having you both on today. And like I said, this was my first time having two guests simultaneously. And I I think if they all go this well, uh, I should do this all the time. You've been you've been great, and I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.